following is a special presentation of the Mars Attacks podcast, member of Talking Metal Digital. This is Kurt Winstein from Crowbar, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Uh, hey, what's up? This is Liam from Cancer Bats. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, everybody, this is your big... Gene What's up? This is Doc Coyle. From- hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Rex Brown from Kill Devil Hill. Hey, this is Richard Christie from the band Charred Walls of the Damned on Metal Blade Records. Hey, this is Chris Mars from Six Feet Under. Hey, what do you say? Be careful because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. on a journey that will start in the present and take you back in time, hitting on music from today and jumping back 10 years at a time. Welcome to Decades on Mars Attacks. Here is your host, Victor. Welcome once again to another episode of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor M. Ruiz, not to be confused with Invey J. Malmstein here. And uh, joining me for this special episode, a new entry into the Decade series, is a good friend of mine from my past, my old college uh, DJing era, per se. Um, I was the uh, assistant metal director, and this guy was the metal director, so he was the boss. Um, This is my good friend, Chris Vaglia, which is joining us uh, to... Give us some picks for the various years that we're going to touch upon and just bullshit about some great music along the way. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, Yeah, it's been a really long time since we've talked and it's it's cool to be able to hook up through the power of the Internet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, man, this is great. I was really, uh, really excited when, uh, you know, you and I kind of reconnected really very recently, and, yeah. uh, you know, then we got to talking, and he asked me to, to come on the show, and I uh, totally was really, really pumped about that, so thank you so much again for the opportunity. Uh, I'm excited about this. I think it's great, great idea, and uh, the podcast has been great. I, I love I love the show, and I have been listening to it, so, yeah, man, I'm really, I'm really pumped to be part of it, so thanks. Do you accept PayPal, by the way? I do, I do. I accept <laughs> PayPal, uh, um, and you know, and of course, it was cash. Cash is king, so that's good too. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, basically, me and Chris worked at a college station in in North Jersey, and uh, was sort of one of the things that um, you know sort of, sort of got me interested when to get back into doing something music related to do the podcast. Uh, I knew that sort of, you know, I had the past and um, could handle it if if I was focused on it or or whatnot. And um, I had a lot of great memories with Chris. And and again, like he said, um, we just reconnected recently due to social media. and, And it was cool because every time that I would think about um, what Chris was into at the time, even though we were, you know, the metal department, uh, there were so many different things that we were we were into and different bands that he was into that I sort of, uh, you know, sort of 
learned about and really uh, sort of became influences at one point or another, bands like Bad Religion or, um, uh, I don't know, uh, bands like Nine Inch Nails, bands like Rancid. Um, yeah. Th- th- there was a-, a little band around there called Patchwork, wasn't there? That's right, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, hodgepodge. <laughs> hodgepodge, there you go. That that was another one. Um, but, um, yeah, so so anyway, so let's um, let's hop on. Uh, let's... Let's get things started here. And um, what we're going to start out with is we're going to start in the now. And with the last show that we released, we had my good friend uh, Guillermo from the band Angelus Apatrida, who is about to release their album Hidden Evolution. Let's check out the title track off of that album. This is Hidden Evolution by Angelus Apatrida. <laughs>
there was a little sound sample of the title track of the latest Angela Sapatrida album. Uh, if people ask why we did a sound sample there, the album is new, and you know, go out and support the band. Uh, I always like to say, go out and support the bands you love. If you can do that by clicking on the Amazon link that we have on the page there and helping the show out as well, that's great. If not, go to iTunes, pick up a song or two, or, or again, pick up the album. Uh, the album is available for the first time in the States on CD and vinyl. They haven't been releasing them in the States um, in any type of physical media. That's a, a, a label decision, so it's cool to see that uh, moving forward, they'll have more of a backing, and hopefully uh, they'll get over to the States this time around. So um, anyway, getting back on point uh, with the discussion here uh, with the whole Decade series, we're going to hop back 10 years. And Chris, what do you have uh, for your pick of 2005? Yeah, no, awesome. Um, I mean, 2005, it's, it's always funny. You know, uh, when you gave me the years to go back and go look in, it's, it's you, sometimes you don't realize when the records came out that, that you listen to. So you're like, oh, wow, really? They came out then? That's right. And then you start remembering, like, that time and everything. And and in 2005, for me, I mean, there was a, there was a lot of cool records that came out. Um, but there was one record that I was I was really into. And a friend of mine who I was uh, I used to be in a band with um, actually took me on to them because uh, it was it was cool because around 2005 and stuff, you had a lot of bands coming out, uh, a lot of metal bands and such, kind of bringing back some of the retro sounds from like the uh, the 80s. And this band uh, that he introduced me to was called Municipal Waste, and they had a record called uh, Hazardous Mutation, and it was just great because it, it was totally back, it sounded like back in the days of like DRI, like crossover type stuff, and right. and uh, some even old like a little bit of old suicidal and. It just kind of brought together like that that thrashy, but yet you know skate metal, just that whole great crossover sound that was kind of happening in the '80s, and uh, it was cool to see a band back uh, back in 2005, like coming back and bringing that sound back a bit, and like flying that flying that flag. So it's a really fun record. I mean, the the the, the song names are all great, and it's just uh, it's really cool. I, I highly recommend checking it out if if you're a fan of that that kind of music. Uh, it really, uh, really is a cool, uh, cool record. Awesome. What track would you like to play off of the album? So there's a there's a bunch of great songs on this record, but I, I really love the um, the intro track. Uh, it's called Intro Slash Death Ripper, and then it goes into Unleash the Bastard. So just uh, just turn this one up, crank it, mosh about your living room, rack around. Awesome. Let's check out some Municipal Waste. Unleash the bastard. 
So that was Chris's pick there for 2005. That was a little municipal waste. And let's do a quick rundown of just a few albums that came out. And it's it's so it's so odd, man. I look at this list and I'm like, shit, ten years has gone by already for some of these. You know, it's just so odd. You know, uh, 2005 was the year that I was introduced to Avenged Sevenfold, for example. Uh, had a very like Iron Maiden, Megadeth type cover, and I'm like, all right, I'll check this out. And I still think a few of the tracks are cool off of the album City of Evil. It's probably their best album, in my opinion, although I know that there are hardcore fans of the band that prefer their earlier stuff. Uh, the right. Bruce, Bruce Dickinson album, Tyranny of Souls, which I can't believe he hasn't released anything else solo-wise because all of his solo work, in my opinion, is very strong. It always has you know, four or five good quality tracks on it. Um, 2005 is the year that I sort of tuned off uh, Bullet for My Valentine. It's funny, I was I saw the album, saw The Poison, and I was like, ah, um, let me check the list of songs out to see, you know, if this was the, the last album that I liked of theirs. And it was quite the contrary. I heard it, and I hated it. So um, it a big turnoff. Um what else? The the Clutch album, uh, Robot Hive yeah. slash Exodus. And um, as much as I love early Clutch, this album sort of, or maybe it was the one before that sort of, um, for me, sort of ushered in what every album after that sort of sounds like. And they're a great live album, or excuse me, live band. I've seen them live, and I don't want to take anything away from them. But it seems, in my opinion, like... Their earlier albums were a lot more varied than from this album onward. But you know, you're a big Clutch fan, right? Um, I actually was never really big, big into Clutch. I always kind of listened to them, but I was never like a huge, huge Clutch fan. Actually, right. my my next door neighbor across the street is a giant Clutch fan, actually, and he uh he, he would probably be the guy. You could probably talk to him about Clutch for like an hour, or if not <laughs> even two, just about Clutch because uh. He totally worships them. So, um, but I always, I always dug their sound. You know, I was never just a huge fan, but I always, I, whenever they're on and whenever people have them on and stuff, I, 
I always dig it. It's yeah. probably one of these bands I should really start revisiting and, and getting like into because that, that happens a lot for me over time. Cool. Uh, let's see what else we had. Uh, Death Angel with Octavarium. We had yeah. Rob Duke's first album with Exodus, Shovelheaded Killing Machine, Fear Factory's Transgression. I got to see them on that tour. was a very interesting show, to say the least. Um, uh, a New Jersey band, God Forbid, which uh, yeah. back, back in the old Seton Hall days, G Forbid there. Uh, what else? Judas Priest's Angel of Retribution. This is an album that... Yeah, I was just about to say that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know this this album. There are a lot of people that are so gung ho about. Uh, uh, I love Judas Priest. Let me let me just say this: I love the band. Yeah. To me, Painkiller is just such a massive album that I think they've never been able to top, and it's a shame because to me, and Kerry King also mentioned this: Angel of Retribution. To me, was a very easy Priest album to make because it seems as if they sort of took pieces of every album that things that made each album popular and sort of copied each one of them in a different song. You had your sort of um, uh, Diamonds and Rust sort of ballad. Uh, you had your Painkiller type song with the double bass going and this and that. And I think it's a good album, but I just always wanted so much more. And in my yeah. opinion, they still haven't. You know, they st they actually haven't made anything better than this album uh, w with the other two that they've released. So, um, what else? We had Motley Crue get back together again. We had yeah. um, um, Nine Inch Nails also come back after a hiatus. Uh, with which is which is a really good record, actually. I do I do like that that with, Nine Inch Nails with Keith record. Yeah, I I love that album. That's one of my favorite albums of theirs. Uh, just for this specific reason, again, sort of something we were talking about before we started recording how music is just so emotional it's it's all about an emotional connection with you and i remember working a real crappy job and just listening to that album every day going into work to sort of you know get the spirits up to go in and, and do the job basically yeah so um what else we had uh new jersey natives overkill with another mm -hmm. great album um I believe this is called Relics, Relics Four. Um, yeah, Relics Four. Okay, and oh, um, uh, we we come across if we're going in alphabetical order here. The track that I wanted to hop on here, um, it comes off the Roadrunner United album. A pretty cool compilation that Roadrunner had put together. Uh, sort of hoped that they had continued to do things like this but shortly after this was released uh, Warner Brothers did purchase them and the label is pretty much all but gone at, at the moment yeah. I mean if you really look at it Warner Brothers bought them to get Nickelback and Slipknot and that's basically it because um, there aren't too many other artists left that really have you know a harder edge on them even uh, you, you could say that Slipknot is mellowed considerably uh, over the years with a lot of the, um, the the material that they've released. It definitely is in Iowa that they're releasing nowadays. And, um, mm. you know, um, uh, this song is something that uh, has been something that I've been bringing up 
a lot recently with the release of the last Machine Head album. Um, there was a blog post on Rob Flynn's site over the summer, and he talked about how they were offered, or Machine Head was offered, a spot on a label, but they were asked to make something that was a little bit more commercial. And this was the track that he wrote, and there are demos up there. He posted a demo, uh, I guess it's on YouTube, that you can check out. And it was interesting to me because he said, well, you know, this was something that, you know, I listened to and even the the Roadrunner United ver- version of the song I almost killed because it just seemed too poppy to me and this and that. And the reason that I kept bringing this track up when the Machine Head album came out was that the Machine Head album, I think, has a lot of the same uh, hooks or, or sort of, I don't want to say poppy, but it has a lot of the melodic qualities in some of the tracks and I don't think that's a bad thing I mean I think this track really kicks ass so I want to jump on this track it was um, uh, it was written by Rob Flynn once again the lead singer is Tim Williams of uh, Blood Simple and VOD Vision of Disorder and the name of the track is Army of the Sun
coming off of the Roadrunner United compilation. If you dig that or any of the other tracks that uh, Chris and me are picking, uh, please go out and purchase one of the the songs. Um, If nothing else, help the bands out um, and show show them your love. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, definitely show show bands love, especially in this day and age where it's so easy to just, uh, you know, kind of, take what you want uh, as far as music wise goes but you know gotta remember these these guys even even some of the older records they they, they still need to be bought these guys yeah. are still you know they, this is how they this is how they eat you know you gotta you gotta support so Absolutely. go out and buy buy music awesome so let's jump back another 10 years let's jump into 1995 a lot of i mean we were talking about this before too just a stacked year for music in general. Oh my god! Yes, absolutely. I mean, so many awesome records came out. Just you know, not just in the metal genre alone, but you know, just just all across the board. I mean, from from rock to you know alternative to, to pop. I mean, it was just it was really a prolific year as far as music releases go for for new bands, established bands. Uh, Bands that were, you know, big in Europe, and then were able to invade uh, the U.S. with their releases. It was, it was a pretty cool year, I'd say, as far as music goes. Um, and there was, there was a lot to pick from for sure. Absolutely. Uh, some of the albums that were released this year, you had AC/DC coming back with Ball Breaker. You had Alice in Chains, a self-titled album, which was <laughs> Lane Stanley's, basically. Uh, last uh, album with the band. Uh, yeah. What else you had? Yeah, the Gates record. That's what Slaughter of the Soul. Yeah, which is probably their biggest album, one of their most influential. Definitely one of the most influential of the black metal genre. Uh, yep. From the death genre, you have Death with Symbolic, which was also a huge album. Um, you have a band like Dokken that got back together again. You had Dream Theater with Changes Seasons. You had Extreme who went away at that point in time after waiting for the punchline, which coincidentally had Mike Mangini, who later on went to play with uh, Dream Theater, who's currently in Dream Theater. Uh, You had Faith No More with King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. It, It kills me. Not too long ago, I read this list of one-hit wonders, and Faith No More was listed. Well, the only song that... What? Yeah, the only song that they had that was ever a, a known 
hit was epic. I'm like, are you shitting me? I mean, I, wow. I, I saw them headline a festival here in Spain back in um, 2010, I believe it was. It was like a fucking religious experience. It was ridiculous how good it was, and everyone knew all the all the lyrics to the songs. I mean, give me a break. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, digging the grave on that record is a is a is a flanker, man. That that song is amazing. Yeah, yeah that that's that's a, that's a great that's a great great track. Absolutely, you had a groundbreaking album like Demanufacture from uh, Fear Factory. You had. Uh, Great. Yeah, it's an amazing album. That's actually an album that will be featured in an upcoming episode of the Classic Albums series, so look out for that. Nice. Uh, you had Iron Maiden coming back with their first post-Bruce uh, Dickinson album with The X Factor. And I remember we were in college radio at the time, and we were mm-hmm. kicking around, you know, who's who's going to come in to replace Bruce and yeah, we were kicking yeah. all these names around. We were saying, oh, well, maybe since Dio was leaving Sabbath, maybe he'll do it. And maybe, yeah. you know, maybe they'll bring Paul Diano back or, you know, and, and out of the blue, Blaze Bailey. So, Blaze uh, Bailey. And I remember being like, who in the hell is Blaze Bailey? <laughs> right. But, uh, um, yeah, that, that was, that was, uh, that was something else with that record and, and all the anticipation of who was going to be the singer and then, you know, what that record was going to sound like and everything. I remember all that. Yeah, I remember picking this up at um, CD World in Totowa. The yeah. sh- shop is no longer there. Um, no. But, uh, yeah, I remember picking it up. I, I picked it up for myself on on CD and and as an excuse I bought it for for one of my cousins on cassette it was his uh birthday and I was like all right I'll I'll buy you, I'll buy you this on cassette but you got to let me listen to it on the way home so uh right so that that, that was <laughs> the trade off but um what else we had the very last release by Caius and the circus leaves town uh mm-hmm. you you would think that they almost planned that name given the fact that I know you know, nothing else came out by the band. You had Marilyn Manson blowing up with their cover of the Eurythmic Sweet Dreams coming off of the Smells Like mm-hmm. Children album. Uh, you yep. had New Jersey's own Monster Magnet with Dopes to Infinity, uh, the album that pretty much put them on the map. Um, yep. Yeah, huge record, too, as far as sound goes. Big, big riff. Yeah, an awesome, awesome album. That. They've put out so much good music over the years. Um, even their last few albums, I mean, to me, their last really great album is, is monolithic, in, in my opinion. Um, but, but even still, the last two releases still have things on it that really sort of pull you back to a lot of those big riffs and a lot of those big hooks that yeah. man, that they're so good at. They, you know, they have just some way, they have a way of writing that... Um, they they write in an, an infectious fashion where if their song has a really killer hook in it, it's stuck in your head for, for hours and days on end. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. You have a, another album that was sort of weird. It was um, Ozzy Osbourne's Osmosis, an album that was supposed to have 
uh, Steve Vai on it. Then there were issues mm -hmm. with lawyers getting involved, so it ended up having Zach on it. And then when the tour came about, it had Joe Holmes on the tour, so it was just this whole yeah. weird thing. But to me, this is the last really, really good Ozzy album. I mean, to me, it seems totally like, agree with that. Yeah, everything <laughs> after it, it just seems like he's lost like so much passion in and. I don't know. Maybe a lot. A lot of people attribute it to the show or or whatever substances he may have been on or whatnot. It, it just seems like there was a sense of urgency with every album leading up to this, and then after that, it just seems like it was, you know, with Down to Earth and the last two that Kevin Cherko produced. It just, I don't know. It just, it just was, you know, was missing. Flat. The, the newer, the newer material for me is just it just isn't there you know and, I, and, I've, and I've tried to get into it because I, I am a huge Ozzy fan yeah. I love Ozzy like love him and uh, and yeah I just the newer the newer material over the last few years just hasn't just hasn't hit me it's been yeah. nothing that I've been like oh you know what let me put that record on it's it's not like that it just don't hold up for me you know and I I will agree this this is the last record for me that I'll actually but let me throw on osmosis, you know, and there's, there's a bunch of great tracks on yeah. there that I, I like, and I'll crank them up, and, and it's good. You know, it just it reminds me the most of, like, you know, the No More Tears era and, uh, you know, No Rest for the Wicked. It just, it just for me, I, I like that era with, the, you know, Zach Wilde and all that. And just mm -hmm. this, this, song, this record is the closest thing to the energy on those, on those other records that I still grab and listen to. And I agree, after this, it just has never been the same. Yeah. There was another album put out by another Jersey band. You, you see the theme here with the two guys from Jersey here yeah. talking? <laughs> you, you, yes. You had um, a band that I've never been into, and they're from Jersey, Skid Row, with their last album with uh, Sebastian Bach, Subhuman Race. And it's funny because... That's the heaviest record, <laughs> Yeah, um, so many people have always told me, you know, you got to get into this album and you got to get into Slave, Slave to the Grind. And his voice just, I don't know, just never, never done it for me. And Never did it for you. Yeah, so, you know, I just never got into them. But I know that there are so many people out there that absolutely love them. If If you love Skid Row, definitely check out our good friends over at the Despot Geek podcast who just spoke to... Uh, producer Michael Wagner about producing the album um, Slave to the Grind. So check that out. Yeah. And uh, great, great episode there. Uh, what else came out? Another Jersey band, Symphony X, put out Damnation Game. Uh, mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. had Van Halen's last album with Sammy Hagar, Balance, yeah. come out. The Which, you know, and I, once again, I, I am a huge, I'm not afraid of it, I am a huge Van Halen fan. Love, you know, absolutely love the David Lee Roth stuff, like, you know, like everybody does. And, you know, Van Halen with Sammy Hagar, definitely, you know, a different different take on the band, but still unbelievably successful. And they wrote some great, great songs, I mean, in being that incarnation. And, you know, this record kind of gets lost, I think, in the mix. And, and I think overall it's, it's not a complete, it's, it's a little uneven um, at times, but there are some there are some killer songs on this for me that I I just I absolutely love and uh, I remember seeing them live on this tour and everything and hearing the songs from this record live and, and I, for me Halen's always has always been a better live band than, than studio band you know when you hear some of these songs that they always just 
but we sound harder, or we sound a little, a little faster. And of course, Eddie's playing live is just, you know, it's Eddie Van Halen for for Christ's sake. Yeah. You, you can't you can't touch the guy. It's, it's ridiculous. And seeing him live and, and play is just it's always a great experience. And I, and I, I like this record, you know, I do. And there's there's still a lot of songs on here I like. And uh, and yeah, unfortunately, it would be the last one that they would do as far as that that lineup goes. And then we'd get the uh, infamous uh, Van Halen three with Gary Sharon a few years later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, we also had a, another album that was much maligned by people, which I always thought was a cool album. Vince Neil's second solo album, Carved in Stone. I think people get hung up with uh, some of the tracks that the Dust Brothers produced to, to try to make him sound mm-hmm. like Kid Rock. Um, but there's some cool rocking tracks on this album in my opinion. And uh, the the last release that I'm going to touch upon here is a massively huge uh, album and has a lot of tracks that are still played to this day on on Sirius and at sporting events and whatnot. It's White Zombies, mm-hmm. Astro Creep 2000. So. Yep, absolutely. That That's a, a big, big record for these guys. And, and yeah, it, you, I mean, I still... Listen, I go I go to Rangers games constantly, New York Rangers games. Um, if anybody's listening, New York Rangers, uh, the hockey team, <laughs> and uh, they still play you know songs off this record in between yeah. in between shifts and stuff. So it's uh, it's still out there, man. People still still loving it. Yeah, they played uh, out in Pittsburgh. They played uh, more human than human during one of the uh, stoppages between uh, getting set for a faceoff today. So it's all around yeah. the league. It's still there. It's still there, yeah. So let's get into your pick for 1995. Yes, absolutely. And um, so my pick is actually not really a metal band, per se. It doesn't really fit in the metal genre. Uh, But this record for me was just, uh, I mean, once again, so many great records came out in this era. in in the in all the different categories and there's so many records I love but this this record for me I still listen to it to this day I still turn it up really loud it's, it's on my my workout rotation and uh, it's a it's the band Quicksand and it's the record Manic Compression and this was the uh, the second complete studio album from this band and they're basically what uh, if you're gonna label a sound so to speak you would call it a more post hardcore sound. Uh, you had members of this band were in uh, some of the bigger hardcore bands um, from, you know, back in the day, like uh, the Gorilla Biscuits and Burn, and uh, and it was just, uh, it's just a, a fantastic record. Uh, Alan Cage, who plays drums on this record, is a guy, guy's a monster, monster drummer, and he sounds amazing. Walter, uh Who's the singer and guitar player? He, his voice sounds great. Songwriting is really good. You got Tom Capone on guitar, such a such a full sound. And Sergio Vega, he's the guy's a monster, monster bass player. So if you want a really huge record that just that just crushes it, you definitely want to be checking out Manic Compression. And you know, there's a ton of ton of great songs on here. And actually, you know, the band was at this point um, they were on Island Records. Um, and they were, you know, they were going for it. Rock Radio did pick it up. Rock Radio was playing the, the song, um, "Thorn in My Side," which is a is a is a definitely a big big radio friendly song. Awesome tune. 
But for me, I, I love the way that this record starts off. And uh, there's a song called Backward, and it just rips. This song just rips. So that's going to be my pick. Uh, so Quicksand, Manic Compression, the track Backward. Awesome. So let's check out a little Quicksand with the track Backward. a little quicksand with the track backward off of manic compression uh my pick for this year again this is one of those years where people when people always say oh you know 90s music sucked there's no fucking way that this album sucked Uh, again getting back to the old um, CD World. They used to have those booths where you could listen to stuff before you purchased it. And, I love that. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about this band. And I had read about them, but I didn't know the didn't know that they were gonna go under this name. But I saw this picture of Jesus smoking a cigarette and <laughs> and I was like, Alright, well, I'm I'm not into this, uh, you know, into death metal or black metal or whatnot. You know, I can appreciate it, but I'm not a huge fan of it. So, I don't know. Since people are, are I'm seeing people with these T-shirts everywhere and whatnot, I don't know. Let me listen to it. And the riffs for Temptation's Wings came on, and I was like, what the fuck is this? It was <laughs> just ridiculous. I was like, all right. Um, the track that I'm going to play is the second track. By the time I heard the intro to that, I'm like, bought, I took the cassette, I bought it, popped it in my truck and headed off to, um, a home from, from Totowa there. Lifer is just an amazing, amazing track. This whole album is amazing. And when I had a chance to talk to, um, uh, to Kurt, 
um, who left the band to focus on Crowbar. Crowbar, another band that I was introduced to working back at the station in, in those years. I remember, I yeah. actually remember you coming in. You got to check this out, this cover of, uh, of No Quarter. And yeah. we listened to it. And I mean, at the time, there was nothing like that. You know, it, it, prob- nope. it probably existed somewhere else, but there was nothing that was ever presented to me that sounded like that. And it was just ridiculous. Um, so, and I asked Kurt Winstein, I said, you know, how much pressure do you guys feel when writing another down album? Because Nola was just such a huge album. And it just, in my opinion, I told him, I said, you know, as much as I like the other material, there's just something about that album that makes it special. And he basically said that until he sobered up and had to write their uh, last album at the time. It was before they were putting out these EPs. It was down three. Uh, he said that's the first time that he really started to feel like some sort of like pressure on him. The holy shit, you know, we have to try to, right. you know, live up to this or, or do something as good as. So uh, let's get into Lifer, a, a track that I've seen. I don't know how many stoner bands here in Spain try to cover, and I've only <laughs> seen one band actually um, uh, pull it off decently and. Uh, I actually have to say that I was lucky enough to sit in behind the drums uh, during one of their rehearsals once because their drummer was missing to to play this and some Caius and stuff. So, so right. it's definitely cool. But uh, anyway, let's check out a little down with Lifer.
a little down coming off of the NOLA album. That was Lifer. Let's get into 85. Again, I mean, this is so amazing to me. I mean, I look at these lists of of years and stuff, and, and at this time, you know, I was, I was a little kid, man. I, I was in... Uh, 85, I was in fifth grade, I was 12, I mean, I was into Kiss, Twisted Sister and Motley Crue because they both wore makeup like Kiss, I liked Quiet Riot, and and that was about it, you know, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't as if I could run out to the, you know, record stores and, and beg my parents to buy any of these albums because I didn't know them, you know. Uh, ACDC's yeah. Fly in the Wall came out. Uh, I knew who ACDC was because my brother loved them, and I saw the video on MTV. Um, Aerosmith's Done in Mirrors. I mean, the, the the just low budget, let the music do the talking. At the time, was just such a cool video. You know, I know a lot of people oh, yeah. looking back now say, oh, you know, it was the wrong thing for them to cover that song. Man, that song just sounds so cool to me with, with Steven Tyler singing it, so always a, a track that i enjoy um let's see some of these other albums that stick out here uh we have the cult with love which is so interesting my wife and i were at the equivalent of like costco over here in spain yesterday and every time i go into this store they always play something cool like two or three times that i've been in there they played the cult yesterday they were focusing in on the love album they played rain and they played uh uh she sells sanctuary so it was uh pretty cool (laughs) yeah absolutely you had vivian campbell's last album with dio that came out that year sacred heart yeah um dawkins under lock and key uh, the Exodus classic, Bonded by Blood. Bonded by Blood. Yeah. Yes. I just saw them recently, too. I saw them because um, original, the original singer is back in the band now, and they, um, I, we saw them here at, uh, in Montclair uh, with Slayer and Suicidal Tendencies, and the sets were very short. Uh, I think Exodus was only allowed to play like five songs. I think Suicidal did six, and then Slayer did like 21 or 22 songs. But... <laughs> Um, Exodus just came out and they they ripped it up, man. Gary Holt is just guys is phenomenal. The band is sounded great. It just it was, hearing them play sounded like they just walked out of 1985. <laughs> cool. Where in Montclair did you see them? I uh, saw them at the Wilmot Theater, uh, which is cool because the Wilmot Theater used to be, um, a, you know, a while ago. I mean, back way back in the day, it was a movie theater. And it was a movie theater even through when we were uh, going to college together. They still, it was still a movie theater, really old, old, cool movie theater. And I forgot what year it was, but it, it's been a little bit of time now. But they, uh, one of the concert groups came in and bought it and basically renovated the inside of it to be a concert hall. And it's awesome. I mean, you've got the balcony seating, so it's still got some, a lot of the old flair to it. And then downstairs is just all general admission, and it just sounds great. It's a fantastic venue to see to see a lot of great bands, and there's been a lot of cool artists that have come through there. I mean, like you've got your metal bands like Slayer, and even like Billy Idol just recently played there a few months ago. Huh. Uh, Pat Benatar comes through, and, and it's just it's cool. They have all kinds of different artists, and it's a cool venue for sure. Awesome. There, there are a lot of venues that have crept up in the last few years, like the community theaters and things of that nature that have really yeah. started bringing in a lot of bands that 
Um, I mean, they're they're past their heyday, obviously, but I mean, right. f- for the diehard fans like us, I mean, you would go out to see them, you know, play or like you had a, a Queensrÿche play in Englewood a few years ago, or you had. Um, yeah, for, yeah, they play at that. Yeah, the Performing Arts Center there, and uh, yeah. they've got the one in Morristown too. Yeah, another Performing Arts Center. So Steve Vai there two years ago, huh. uh, and it was excellent. <laughs> Very cool. Um, 85 was known for its live albums as well, and its big, huge live albums. You had Iron Maiden with Live After Death, and you had the Scorpions with Worldwide Live. And a lot, a lot of times, you know, I mention this to uh, to people who forget how big the Scorpions were at one point. Um, I think they're known more by you know the younger generations as the band that does Rocky Like a Hurricane wins a change, and that's about it. But at that time period. I mean, Scorpions were as huge as Maiden and Priest, and yeah. they, you know, went off course or, or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, they're still huge here in Europe. I mean, they they don't have the same draw in the states, which which is a shame. But uh, they still put on a, a great show. I was watching one of their DVDs that they released a few years back, not that long ago, and it was just. Such a cool show to to see them play, and actually had Andreas Kisser from uh, Sepultura join them on stage. It was pretty neat. Right. So, uh, let's see what else came out this year. We had Kisses Asylum. We had Loudness, the Japanese band with Thunder in the East. Um, yeah. We had Megadeth with uh, their first album, Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. Uh, Motley yep. Crue came out with their follow-up to Shout at the Devil with Theater of Pain. Which was like, you know, I mean, you couldn't have saw on MTV without seeing Smoking in the Boys' Room, and then, of course, Home Sweet Home. Sweet Home, Home. Like, yeah. yeah well, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Once Style MTV came out, I mean, Home Sweet Home was there, like, every single day at a certain hour, at a certain, you know, it was, yep. it was exactly what you're saying. Every other hour it was on, so... Massive, massive, massive hit. Yeah. Um, you had Rat, who was also huge at the time with Invasion of Your Privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, David Lee Roth was his first solo EP. Uh, Rush. Yeah, and that Invasion of Your Privacy record, too, just to uh, not have to spend too much time on it. But, man, what what a what a fantastic record. Yeah. I mean, so many good tunes on that record. And, you know, it's funny because it's like you had Rat and Motley Crue both coming out with new records in the same year, and both of them were like just constantly on MTV. And just, you know, I always, I always liked Rat a bit more than Motley Crue as much as I, I and I'm fans of both bands, but for something about Rat, I just the sound was a little more, a little more dirtier, a little more rock and roll. I don't know, just I, in this record, I, I liked a lot. You know, I mean, it starts out with "You're in Love" and, and then "Lay It Down" is on this record. Yeah, crazy, awesome songs. This is my favorite album, actually, by the band. So, I mean, when I was looking at the the tracks, it was funny. I was thinking, all right, um, do I go with a lesser-known track? Do I go with one of the singles? You know, because I've sort of um, laid things out for future episodes. And, uh, and I mean, the riff of You're in Love, I, I actually mentioned this to Doc Coyle of, formerly of God Forbid, uh, there's a riff off of one of their last album, or no, their second to last album off of Earth's Blood, that they have a riff that sounds so much like a rat riff. It's ridiculous. And I mentioned it to him, and he said, well, you know, we grew up during a certain time period, and, you know, obviously our influences are, are going to show. And, and I know even one of the uh, guitars from God Forbid 
um, list them as, as one of their biggest influences. And you can, you can tell there's certain, there's a certain style that, um, Warren Demartini and, uh, and Robin Crosby played at the time that so many other bands copied afterwards. And, you know, it's funny because the, the King V that everyone associates to Kerry King was actually, uh, made up for Robin King Crosby of rat. So, uh, right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, moving forward here, we have the Crazy from the Heat from David Lee Roth, which pretty much signaled <laughs> his end in Van Halen. Um, yeah, yeah, which is a which is a pretty crazy record. Yeah, <laughs> but fun. He, he if if he were to put out Eat Him and Smile, I think everyone would have been like, "Holy shit! All right, we understand why he's leaving." But just yeah. the Gigolo and California Girls and and. Like the other song, there's three or four songs off of there, and the other songs are pretty much forgettable off of that. You're like... Yeah, Easy, easy Street and Coconut Grove. <laughs> yeah, it's like, seriously, you're leaving Van Halen for this shit? So, I know. <laughs> but um, let's see, you have Rush's Power Windows, an album that so many people hate <laughs> because of the, the band incorporating keyboards and and different elements that they hadn't done in the past well they they had keyboards yeah. in the past it just wasn't as prevalent as it was on on this album this is this is the album where a lot of people started to uh tune out so it's it's unfortunate yeah. but there's still cool songs on it absolutely absolutely manhattan project love that song yeah yeah oh yeah uh, absolutely and then uh, i forget well, they they have a live album that they put out where they played a lot of the tracks off of this. I guess it, it was almost, um, you know, almost a way to show to the fans and whatnot that hey, you know, these songs are just as cool as as some of our other, you know, some of our other classic tracks. So, um, uh, another album that a lot of people r- really and and this one may have signaled the, the beginning of, of the end, which was uh, Twisted Sisters Come Out and Play, was, was a much more polished and calmer and much poppier album than the previous Twisted Sister albums. And I remember um, my first interview back there at, at uh, CCM was with D. Snyder, and I remember him saying that, you know, he was... Um, he had a hard time writing the album because everything up to this was all about, you know, empowerment and, you know, and beating down the world. And at that time he had five Ferraris and five houses and he was married. He had kids on the way and, you know, his, his world was good. And he thought it was a lie to, you know, be pretentious and, and sing about all the stuff they'd sung about in the past when his, his life wasn't really all that bad. So, so the album does have some, Pretty cool tracks on it. I, I think a track like "The Fire Still Burns" is is really neat. But I think a lot of people sort of remember it for "Leader of the Pack" and and that video mm-hmm. and you know the the white yeah. denim with the uh, spray paint on it. And uh, shortly after that, you had the PMRC um, uh, debacle there in in Washington and defiling his his teeth to make him look meaner and this and that. And it just, yeah. I think sort of lost a lot of people after that, but um, it's pretty pretty funny too. I, I'm just checking out the uh, we're talking about. I'm just checking out the Wikipedia entry on this, and and the uh, the list of additional musicians on this is Don Dawkins backing vocals, Gary Holland backing, Alice Cooper, yeah, 
the company League Vocals on Be Crew to Your School. Yep. Brian Setzer plays the guitar solo on Be Crew to Your School. Billy Joel, mm-hmm. piano on Be Crew to Your School. Clarence Clemens does yep. the sax solo. It's uh, it's unbelievable. It's like, man, I never realized all that until I'm looking at it now, and I'm like, you know, can you imagine all these these top stars? You know, with Brian Setzer, Billy Joel, Clarence Clemens on a Twisted Sister record. Yeah, so that that shows how you know, misdirected it was. I mean, cool that they were able to get all those people on there, but... You right, know, for, but, you know, when you think Twisted Sister, you don't think Billy Joel and Clarence Clemens are going to be making guest spots on uh, yeah. guest appearances on their record. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, you, you don't think that Lamb of God is, is reaching out to, uh, <laughs> you know, Bieber and Adriana Grande there, you know, or... Oh, <laughs> well, that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> It would be, but uh, I, I think that would be one of those things that they would keep locked up in a vault somewhere, you know? I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else came out this year? Wasps, The Last Command. That, that It was such a cool album. That was my introduction to the band, because um, MTV also played the crap out of them on Headbangers Ball at the time. Oh, yeah. Wild Child, Blind in Texas. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, absolutely. And you have an album that I still think is is a pretty cool album that a lot of people sort of poo-poo because of what the band became after this. But White Lions Fight to Survive, I think, has oh, some... great record, man. Yeah, absolutely. has a lot of cool classic metal riffs and, and metal soloing on it. And then, you know, once they started doing the next album, Pride, is where they went off in that commercial direction and... You know, that's what most people remember is, you know, the the ballads that they released. But they they were great musicians. I mean, James Lomenzo's gone on to play with BLS and Megadeth and so many other people. And um, Greg D'Angelo, I forget who he's playing with at the moment, but he's also playing with someone uh, very, very famous. And he was the uh, he was the drummer in Anthrax before Charlie Benante. So I know. Um, just uh, just an interesting mix there. We had Vito Brada, who disappeared all those years later, finally appeared on Eddie Trunk, but we've never you know uh, heard anything else from him. So I don't think we'll ever hear any new White Line at any point in the future. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. So yeah. like the only White Line you're going to get is Mike Tramp's version of uh, that he kind of tours around with, and yeah, probably it. That's probably it. And uh, the the last notable album here before we jump into our choices, uh, the debut solo album by Inve Malmsteen, Marching Out. And man, you have to have balls to release an album, or I'm sorry, a track called I Am a Viking before <laughs> Amon Amoth, before any of this, you know, folk metal and any of this, uh, you know, Scandinavian black metal uh, became prevalent. Inve was putting his balls on the table and saying, I am a Viking. That's correct. <laughs> that is totally correct. Love this record. <laughs> so, um, let's see, for 85, you were telling me that there's one album that really stood out to you that, uh, that you played a hell of a lot when it first came out. Um, so... Fill the listeners in on what you'd sort of said off air. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, for me, you know, I, uh, you know, I 
I'm a big Anthrax fan, and one of my my first um, one of my first experiences with the band, and or I should say exposure to the band, was the Spreading the Disease record. I mean, what a uh, what a great record! It was one of my one of my friends. Once again, it's it's always great, you know, when you have friends who buy things and they're the ones that get you into music and they play you things like, oh, dude, I knew you listened to like Halen and Zeppelin, but you got to check this out, you know, and. <laughs> and uh, and listening to that was just uh, was just excellent. I mean, the the opening track AIR and just just to hear how that opens and and then uh, goes into the rest of the record is just uh, it's just a uh, heavy heavy record for these guys. And obviously, you know, they would then go on to create the masterpiece Among the Living, which you know to me is is uh, is in my opinion their best record. And I think a lot of people kind of um, share that opinion amongst uh, you know thrash and metal. And, people who are fans of the band uh but this this record should definitely not be uh taken very lightly i mean you have some great great songs on here aar lone justice madhouse uh you know they have the uh, armed and dangerous uh the, the newer version uh medusa gung-ho after i mean every song on here is just uh is just great and you know, it's it's for me. It just really embodies that that time, and, and for me, the transition of getting into you know heavier music. I mean, really, up up until then, I, I was on a steady diet of of Kiss, Zeppelin, uh, Van Halen, uh, really a lot, lot, a lot of classic rock stuff. Uh, you know, Black Sabbath. I was listening to regular Ozzy, uh, Ozzy solo stuff, um, but nothing really along the lines of. of the heaviness that uh, you know was, was coming out around that time, and this was kind of my first exposure, and then it really opened up the floodgates for me as far as I'm getting into you know Metallica and and eventually Slayer and, and really everything else. But this this record for me was was big, man. I, I listened to it all the time, and and uh, the track for me that I, I just dig, I love is uh, is Lone Justice. So I know it's, uh, and I was actually a big Stephen King fan at the time, and that song's written about um, the uh, the Gunslinger series uh, that he was writing. So I I also found that really cool that these guys were like writing songs about like Stephen King novels and everything. So that's uh, that's gonna be my pick. Anthrax spreading the disease. Track is Lone Justice.
had Lone Justice by Anthrax. Love that song, man. One of my all-time favorite Anthrax songs. And had you not picked it, I would have picked it. So, um, <laughs> good. coincidentally, my pick was being recorded at the same time when Spreading the Disease was being recorded. As Urban Legend goes, uh, Charlie and Scott were done recording their parts on Spreading the Disease and they had a roadie by the name of Billy Milano that um, they were dicking around with in the studio and coming up with different riffs and different things. And he was putting lyrics together for it. So um, they brought in Dan Lilker, who was the original bass player in the band. And you have S.O.D. You have the landmark album of Speak English or Die, which has influenced yeah. countless other bands and um i think for most of us you know for us younger fans we never thought that we'd you know ever see the band or, or see anything put out by them and we've now seen that you know other things have come out you had the um uh bigger than the devil came out then you had a, an ep which was um uh was a play on um uh, seasons uh, seasoning the obese instead of uh, seasons in the abyss, and you had yeah. various other things come out. But this sort of stands the the test of time. It was used for Headbangers Ball and uh, influenced so many other people. Uh, this is United Forces by SOD. SOD coming off of Speak English or Die, the Stormtroopers of Death bringing us United Forces. So we're going all the way back to 75 now, 40 years ago. And I was two years old when all these albums came out. 
Yeah, so, I was going to say, yeah, I'm about two years old at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, um, I didn't know any of these bands yet. Kiss was about to have a huge influence on me in about a year and a half, two years after this. Yep. So, um, but up until then, I mean, and, and, and thanks to Classic Rock Radio and, um, you know, various people in my family that grew up on rock music uh, playing me some of these um, various albums and uh, just going back. I mean, when we were in college radio together and checking out some of these earlier albums that maybe I wasn't familiar with and um, yeah. that, that they were really at our disposal at the time. So he had things like Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare, uh, Rush's Fly by Night, Physical Graffiti by Led Zeppelin, Dress to Kill by Kiss, Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic. Uh, you had Rainbow's Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, the, the very first album. You had Black Sabbath's Sabotage. Uh, you had UFO with Fawcett, uh, Thin Lizzy with Fighting, Ted Nugent's first solo album, The Scorpions with Entrance. Uh, you had Deep Purple with their one and only album, if I'm not mistaken, with Tommy Bolin, which is uh, Come Taste the Band. Uh, Queen's enormous A Night at the Opera. And you had ACDC's second album, which was TNT, which was later re-recorded and re-released around the world is high voltage. So, but uh, there was also a, another monumental live album, which is Kiss Alive, which is for a lot of people, uh, their first, or a lot of big musicians, I should say, it was their first foray into Kiss and really what kept the band alive and really started, you know, stoking the fire for, for Kiss to uh, maintain the level of success that they've had all these years later, whether they've had ups or downs or whatnot. I mean, Alive really started it, and shit, they're still playing a lot of these songs live, so. Right. Um, for 75, um, you had, well, actually, I named pretty much all the all the albums, but uh, your pick for 75 would be what? Well, it would be, and... There's a lot of great records on on this on this list, by the way. So this actually wasn't too easy. But you know, going back uh, with things that uh, I mean, I was always a big Zeppelin fan. I mean, it's just it's just great because I grew up on this. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to have parents who were very much in the classic rock, and I was surrounded by this. And, and, and once again, yes, members of my family and all that. And so it was great to be surrounded by this music and be able to learn, and then go back once you get into it and, and listen to some of the older records that they have. Um, but a band that I got into actually, it, it's funny where I started with it and then how I went back is, is, uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Um, this record for me, I, I, I didn't get into this record until a little bit later. My, actually, my first exposure to Rainbow, uh, and being young was actually a lot of, of what was on rock radio and even MTV and, and the Stone Cold, and Stone Cold, that song by Rainbow with, with you know, the, the legendary Joe Lynn Turner on, on vocals and all that was my first entry into Rainbow. And then along those same times, they, they were also playing Dio was being played on MTV, which, you know, for anybody out there listening, you know, when MTV first came on, it was like they literally played anything and anything that they had uh, their hands on. And you got to see, like, Maiden and Dio and Priest and Journey with Jay Guile. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, Rainbow was one of those, and then I got to see Dio stuff on there. And 
I then later learned <laughs> uh, that Dio was actually the first singer in Rainbow, and then that prompted me uh, to go back and go listen to those records, to the to the to the earlier stuff. Um, and the first record that uh, that they did as Rainbow, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, is uh, is a great record. I mean, track for track, there's a there's a ton of great songs on here. And but one of the ones that I I just that just stands out for me that I've I've always loved as a song, uh, and it's not it's not one of the rockers, you know, it's not Man on the Silver Mountain or, you know, Sixteenth uh, Century Green Sleeves or anything like that. It's it's actually a, a Catch the Rainbow for me is one of my favorite songs on this record, and it just what I really like about it is I think it just showcases Ronnie's vocals so awesome, uh, you know, to show that. You know, not only is he just a very powerful singer, but he's a very soulful singer, and he's very emotional. And this song is just fantastic. Richie's guitar playing, as always, is just phenomenal. But he's always got that great ability to play these just nice little, these little licks that just make a song. I mean, he was always like that in Deep Purple and Off the Rainbow and anything he's ever touched. He has a certain style of playing. It just is, uh, it really can't be replicated. And that's, that's like with most of all the, you know, the great guitarists who of all ever, you know, we all know them all and they all have that, that thing that they do. And, you know, this is totally Richie Blackmore's band, like through and through. And, and, uh, yeah, I like this song a lot. It just to me showcases the talents of everybody in this band and, and definitely Ronnie singing and, and uh, Richie playing for sure. So catch the rainbow.
the sun and sail away on ships of wonder. But life's not a wheel with chains made of steel. So bless me. you just heard was Catch the Rainbow off of Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Great choice. Uh, it was just recently covered by um, Glenn Hughes on that great uh, Dio cover album that came out back in 2014. And uh, one of the highlights for me on there and always a, a great, great track. So, I mean, if they're working with a great track and you have someone as talented as, as Glenn Hughes, I mean, that's just half the battle there. I mean, I think you could put a, a rubber band, <laughs> you know, behind Glenn Hughes <laughs> and, and, and a great track, and, and he'll make it shine somehow, you know? Yeah. Oh, he's such a great singer, you know, and he, uh, 
and he does. He, he nails that that cover uh, so perfectly because he, he can sing. And he has, you know, when you talk about guys with a lot of soul in their voice and, and emotion and passion, just let it come through. It's, you know, Glenn Hughes is, is that. And uh, he's a great choice. I, I don't know who picked that song, if he picked it, or what, I don't know the backstory of how that song came about for Glenn to do it, but it's it's a great song for him to do. And yeah. It showcases his vocal equally as well. Absolutely. Um, let's see. So, so my pick, and we're going to use this to end the show. Um, want to thank Chris for coming on and, uh, joining us here and having, adding a lot of great banter to the episode and, um, a lot of great insight on a lot of cool tracks that you pick. So I do appreciate you coming on and hopefully we'll do this again at some point in the future. Also, that is if, if you're interested in in coming back. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, this this was this was awesome. I uh, I I will say this is my my first uh, podcast, and uh, this was awesome. Man, no, it was great. It was great being a guest, and uh, like I said, I, I love the show, and I think you've been doing some really great stuff. And I'm always going to continue to listen. And yeah, I would love to be a part of future episodes when and and where I can. So definitely, thanks a lot, and uh, great great spending time with you. Great reconnecting. Uh, all these years later, and uh, it's funny how uh, how time works like that, man. You know, you lose touch, and sometimes you can just pick it up right where you left off, no matter how much time has gone by. So, yeah, absolutely, it's very, very cool for me. So, thank you. Yeah, thank you, man. It's been definitely very cool for me as well, and um, definitely, I think he just said it. Just picking up where where we left things off so many years ago, and just hanging out and talking about great music. And um, and I think this episode will really show that to all the listeners as well. So um, we're going to wrap things up with a track that um, back in the old days when the cassette was prevalent, uh, you would go to your James Ways and and Caldor and Bradleys (laughs) and things like that. And you would have uh, the equivalent of like the the CD cutout bin and later on the, the cassette cutout bin as well. But you would always have these like crappy cassettes where you'd look at them and and the cover looked cool, but you know you look at the cassette and the writing was all rubbed off and you didn't know what side one was or what side two was and it was it just didn't look right, man. But the, but the tape was was three bucks, so you're like, all right, fuck it, why not? Um, and what I picked up was Black Sabbath Sabotage. This album to me I... is just so cool. It's it's an album that, you know, when people talk about Sabbath and the early Aussie years, they always go to Paranoid or they go to the first album or they go to Volume 4. And Sabotage always gets looked over. And, man, to me, this album, start to finish, just doesn't have a, a weak track on it. And this track, to me, is really sort of showing what the band would be later on and... Um, and I definitely think it it influenced a lot of other bands to um, to pick things up uh, speed wise. Um, the track is symptom of the universe, and I mean just listen to Tony Iommi's riffing to to kick the track off. I mean this has influenced thousands, if not millions, of guitarists over the years to. Um, to man, just chug on that low E, and well, I believe it may be actually a D on this track, but um, to 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 chug on that and and start playing a power chord afterwards, and 
um, and just kick things off. And and really, those albums are so monumental. But this one, to me, again, Sabotage just is a hidden treasure. If you haven't checked it out, I do recommend that you do so. So um, we're going to jump on this track to, to end the show. want to thank everyone for listening once again. And remember to follow us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, leave your comments up on iTunes, and uh, you can also reach out and listen to us on uh, Spreaker and on Stitcher. In any event, just go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com. On the right-hand side, you'll find all the pertinent links to the social media sites and, and everywhere where you can check the shows out. Um, thanks again for listening, and we leave you here with Symptom of the Universe. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.